0: Go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome to the Vineyard. I am Joe Wood, and we are glad to have you with us today. We're pressing into a new message, and I'm just just feeling inside of my soul here like uh, maybe I'm supposed to be praying for somebody before I start this message, and so I'm just going to stick my neck out there a little bit, and, and if there is, I'd like to pray for you, and if there's not, don't sweat it. But listen, if you're facing a surgery this week, I don't know why, but in that last song, I was just thinking about healing and the fact that we come to the Lord out on the water for healing, and I'm wondering if you're going through something and you're facing a medical, um, I, I say surgery, but if you've got something going on this week, could I pray for you before I preach this message? Is that possible? Could you just come up here? Is there, is there somebody in this room that's there? If not, I'm good. I'm, I'm not worried about that, but I sure would like to pray for you before I go on. We good? You ready for this? All right. I'm all right. Let's do this. Um, we are entering in. You saw that uh, small groups are gonna be launching here really soon, and uh, that title that they got going in about the lies that we tell, um, and I think it's the lies that we tell ourselves, maybe is what it is. Um, we just want to want you to know, that if you're new to us here, that we are a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. When uh, I was asked to plant this church, my prim- primary desire was that we would have enough small groups that this church would always feel small to us, and that we would feel connected to people, that we could call in in case of an emergency or if something was going on, and that's very, very important. But this title, the lies that we we tell ourselves, and it's like, what is that all about? What's going on there? And I think it's just, I think you're going to enjoy it because we are going to press into just being Christians. What does it mean for us to be legit? What does it mean for us to be honest? What does it mean for us to be genuine as we go into um, this new school year and as we wrestle with things that are going on? Around the world, honestly. Um, you know, it's a little chaotic out there and it's absolutely nuts. And I actually made myself a note um, on my sermon this morning before I got started to just stop i want to i do want to stop and pray um because you and i are gathering together this morning in our freedom we've got freedom to gather here we're going to gather we're going to worship god and that's going to what's going to happen most people will come in because they want to grow in their relationship to jesus whatever church that they're going to those of you that are joining us out there you're joining us because you want to grow in your relationship to jesus many people will become because will come because they don't have anything else drawing them away you know, there's nothing going on today that's trying to suck the life out of their family, and so they're in church today. But guess what? When you stop and think about it, and not just in the Middle East, but in Afghanistan as well, there are people that are literally gathering today, and it is the last time that they will worship Jesus on this planet. It is. It is. That quote from that man in Afghanistan, that Christian man in Afghanistan that said, um, uh, they said, what are you going to do now with the big pullout and everything that's going on and the Taliban that are rushing in together and stuff like that? What are you guys going to do as Christian people? He said, we'll worship and then we'll die. Is that the way you come to church? We'll worship and if it costs us our life, then guess what? It costs us our life and we will die. And it's not just in Afghanistan. There are actually um, churches all over the world where that is the case. It's not the case right here in Madison County. That is not the case for us. But it is the case for very real brothers and sisters in Christ with us all over the world. And so as we get started, I just want to uh, invite us to pray for what's going on in the Middle East. So let's just go ahead and do that if you would with me. Fathers, we come before you. I thank you for your spirit to speak to my heart this morning in my office. I thank you for what you're doing. God, we don't always understand it. and We've got questions that will be answered. Right now, we see dimly as through a glass, God. But the day will come when we are known. Uh, we will know as we are known. And we just come before you and we put that in your hands. But you have called us to care, and we want to be a caring people. We want to care about Madison County. We want to care about Richmond. We want to care about Kentucky. We want to care about these United States. God, we also want to care about Christian brothers and sisters around the world. So we just lift them up to you. God, already they've had their church services today, and I'm I'm just anticipating the stories that are going to start flowing. I just ask and pray that you would continue to be with them, protect them, buckle them in, draw them near to you, let your spirit abound greatly in their presence during these trying times. But God, I pray for a revival amongst the Taliban. That is my prayer, God, that you would give dreams and visions to these people that have never had dreams and visions before, that you would take the violence and the terror out of their life and the need to perpetuate it out of their life, and that you would show them that you are the Lord. That you would cause them to read the scripture for themselves. That you would cause them to give up their lives for the kingdom of God. The real kingdom of God. Not this fake one that they're proposing. God, I ask and pray that you move amongst the leaders of the Taliban. Because where they go, the rest of them go as well. And I pray that the world will see what you are doing. And in Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. This is my prayer this morning. This morning I want to talk to you about prayer. That's where I want to go, and I'm going to use this little thing right here. It's a little archaic, and if you want to pull out one of those those little square, you know, iPhone things. Um, or smartphones, I guess they call them smartphones, and that's good because, honestly, um, I just call Michael because a lot of times my phone is way smarter than I am, and, and that's, a, that's a good moniker for, for my phone. It's a smartphone. But this is way easy for me to use, probably because I'm 60, coming up hard on 61, and I like this thing, okay? So if you want to whip one of these out, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 20. Um, there's just a couple of verses there that I want to share with you. Jesus is moving along. Things are going on in his life. And I want to look at that right now. And I want you to go ahead and apply it to your life. As we, as we unfold this, what does it mean for you to do this? now? Jesus has talked about the parable of the vineyard workers at the beginning of of, uh, chapter 20. And and the bottom line there is, look, God can do with God's stuff what God wants to do. So if God gives somebody else a million dollars and gives me $10, who am I to tell God he's doing it wrong because it's his? And that's pretty much the the message of that parable um, as you look at that. And then we come down through where Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's like, look, it's chapter 20 of the book of Matthew, and we're going to head to Jerusalem. He didn't really tell him it was chapter 20. He just said, hey, we're going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die there, and I'm going to be crucified, and this is how it's going to be. And I love that as Jesus is getting ready to do this, that James and John's mom comes up. But let, let, let's just read the scripture first. I want to read in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 20, beginning of verse 29. I'm going to be reading through 34. You know it'll always show up up here but it's important that we get it in here. This is where we want to put it. So let's just look at this. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. And then they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called to them, What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. The next thing you have is the triumphal entry into um, Jerusalem. But we're looking at this story right here. Because this is what's going on. Jesus has pulled his disciples aside. We're going to Jerusalem. And I love that um, James and John, the sons of thunder, um, their mom comes to Jesus and says, you know, Lord, I've got a question I want to ask for you. If it's all right when you come into your own, we're going to Jerusalem. Would you do me a favor? It's a big ask, but... Would you do me a favor? Would you let my sons be in charge? Can they, be, can they have positions of honor? Would you let them serve on your right and your left? Can they do this? And, and I love that. Man, she is just absolutely bold, isn't she? She just comes to the Lord and says, give them control, Lord. Let them be bosses. Don't let them be servants. Can we do this? And the disciples get really indignant that their mama is going. Can you imagine how old do you think James and John are at this point now I mean I don't know about you but I'm thinking they're at least 30 maybe 35 and your mama is still trying to set you up to to be successful she's still trying to get you out of the basement off the Xbox seriously your mama at 35 years of age is going to your boss and saying could you please give him a raise doesn't he deserve it Lord couldn't you and then everybody else that you're working with is standing around going you got to be kidding me you played the mama card you got your mama to come talk to jesus on your behalf and give you the position you know they're all thinking that jesus is going to be a political power that he's going to take over. And they're all serving, A, because they love Jesus, but also because they think they're getting something out of this deal. And, and please, if you don't think Judas doesn't think he's getting something out of the deal, he's already working at that at this point. He's been getting something out of the deal. But here they are. And, and, and they're like, man, we're going we're gonna to have cabinet positions. We're going to be movers and shakers in the community. And then James and John's mama plays the mama card and says, hey, <laughs> before anybody else comes and asks, can I just be bold enough to ask? And Jesus gives him the talk. He gives all the disciples the talk. We know there's more people there than just the disciples because James is John's mama's there. But he gives them the talk. Now, today, if, if you and I were here and, and you came to me and said, oh, I had to bring my kids together and have the talk. You know what we'd be talking about, right? Yeah. You'd be like, oh man. And you just sweat. You just start sweating. You're like, I remember that day. Oh, it was the hardest day of my life. I had to talk to my children about S-E-X. Oh my, you know, they're they're like seven or eight years old and I got to sit them down and have the talk. That's not what Jesus, he didn't talk to his disciples about that. That's not what he did. He brought them together and he had the talk with them. And you know what the talk is? The talk is if you want to be the boss, then you have to be the servant. Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we actually go into Jerusalem and watch you get crucified, are you serious? We want to be the boss. And he's like, if you want to be the boss, you have to be the servant. If you want to be the leader, you have to be an outstanding follower. I contend as young men come to me and say, Pastor, uh, as anybody comes to me and says, Pastor, I feel uh, the call uh, to ministry. And I'm like, great. Great. What, what excites you about that call? And they start talking about standing on this stage and sharing messages and how the Holy Spirit's moving in their lives. And, and sooner or later, we get around to the place where I begin to say, listen, what I want to know is, are you a good follower? Because I contend that if you are not a good follower, you will not make a good leader. Believe it or not, that's one of the reasons that I came to this state in 2003, was to help a friend of mine named Jason who had planted a church, and one of the things that I wanted to know was, could I step back from the primary position of leadership in a church to the secondary position of leadership in a church, and could I be a good follower not only that, but he was 13 years younger than me, so I needed to know, could I do that? I, I, I never want to stop growing in my relationship to Jesus, whether it's as a leader or just as, as, a, as again, a follower of Christ. I want to keep growing. And that's what's going here. So he had the big talk with them, and then he heads out of Jericho. And at that point in history, I'm made to understand that there are two Jerichos. There's old Jericho, which if you're familiar with that story, they marched around Jericho. They marched around Jericho. They marched around Jericho. They marched around Jericho Jericho, um, for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around Jericho, and they blew the trumpet, and the walls came crashing down. And that really happened. That wasn't just, you know, bad um, craftsmanship on uh, on behalf of um, the Christians. construction workers. It was a well-built city that had lasted for for a long, long time, but it came crumbling down, and the Lord said it was never going to be built up again. And so what ended up happening is they built another Jericho a couple of miles away, um, and that's where we find ourselves this morning in our story, um, and Jesus is coming through. And as Jesus is coming through, he's telling his disciples, hey, I just want you to know that things are speeding up. I'm going to die. This is what I've been telling you for the last three years, and you need to understand that. And as he passes by, there's a couple of blind guys sitting over there. There's a crowd with Jesus. There's a crowd. And as he's passing by, they're saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And as is typical in our humanity, not just in the church but outside of the church as well, we make a very, very quick judgment and we say, shut up and be quiet. He's way too important for you. You're not good enough. For him to come and deal with your situation that's what we do in our world we marginalize people we set them over there and we set them over there and we say ah, I'd invite people to church but not those people see we do that hey I would pray for somebody that that needed prayer Ah, but I don't want to pray for that person mmm <sniffs> no I don't want to do that and that's what was going on here the crowd around Jesus The people that have been following Jesus, and not just for a couple of minutes, but they've been following Jesus, and some of them, for years, told those people to be quiet. The Lord doesn't have time for the likes of you. He doesn't have time for you. Why are you crying out and hollering out for Jesus? What what do you think God is going to do for you because you're screaming and hollering? Be quiet. We're on our way to something important. We're going to become officials. There's a new kingdom about to start. And so as we watch this thing begin to unfold, they scream and holler some more, and finally Jesus hears them, and I think he already knew that personally. I think he he knew it, he heard it, and he said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, Lord, we want to see. We want to see again. Could you please, if you would, we want to see again. And I can only believe that Jesus' name in three and a half years in a country that's 175 miles, uh, I mean, 150 miles tall and 75 miles wide, uh, his name got around. And they kind of knew who he was when somebody said, it's the Lord. It's not like the Lord God, but it's the prophet from Nazareth. Then he started screaming and how They start screaming and hollering, screaming and hollering. Maybe, maybe he can heal them. Do we come into church that way sometimes? I'm going to come into church, and I'm going to sing real loud. And maybe God will notice me and hear my prayer. Maybe God will hear me cry out to him. Maybe. I hope he does. And God forbid, but sometimes we just feel like we're pushed to the edges. Maybe God doesn't want to deal with me. I'm going to scream and holler. And I love this about the story. It didn't matter that people told them to be quiet, they weren't going to. And I think there's a lesson there that we're going to get into. But there's a lesson there about how we approach God. Do we approach God in a manner in which, like, hey, God, I'd like to have a Big Mac. Hey, God, I'd like to have a Volkswagen. Hey, God, I'd like to have a new color TV. Hey, God, I'd like to have. Hey, God, I'd like to have. I mean, do you think that God exists? To answer those kind of prayers in your life and i'm not saying he doesn't care about what you care about i think he does if you don't believe me come over and sit down with me at lunchtime today and we'll talk through it because i believe in prayer i'm telling you right now i have seen god move this church is an example of it i have seen god move in powerful ways and sometimes in stupid ways in my life and i say god really and it's like you just wanted me to, to, to experience that and it's like yeah Yeah, one of you, one of you, in this service last week, I said something about a hummingbird feeder. And I don't know if you were worried about what I was going to do to Pastor Janice when we got home. I'm not sure if that was what you were trying to save her. She wasn't in trouble. I don't know if you were trying to just bless me. But all week I have sat on my front porch every single morning and watched the hummingbirds. Because when I put that sucker up, they came from everywhere. And they fight, and they're mean, and they're nasty like little toddlers. It's awful. I thought they were great till I got a hummingbird feeder. <laughs> and now I'm just like, which one's going to kill which one today? You know, they got those little sharp beaks. And it's like, well, I'm just telling you, I believe in the power of prayer. <laughs> and whoever put that in my office last week between services, thank you. Honestly, thank you. It's amazing to sit out there and watch them and, and try to take pictures of them, and it's, it, it's, it's just great. But I believe that God does want to do something in your life here today. I believe that. That's why I've given my whole life over to it. You know, we come in, and Jesus reaches out to these, these disciples, um, um, these uh, blind men, and, and he doesn't just ask them what they want, he touches them. And when I come into church, I've done all the study, and I know I've got to preach, and I know I've got to do what I've got to do, but I am still asking God, if you would just touch me today, that will be good enough for me. If you will just touch me, and I will know, not that my heart felt good because I was in your presence, because I love coming together, but the fact that God touched my life, that would be amazing for me, and that's what Jesus did. As we look at this story, there's something that it says about prayer. And, and, and I, again, I hope you did the homework last week and got to fast and pray and that God spoke to you. I really do. And if there's something I need to hear from that, please share it with me. But I believe in prayer so much that, that these blind men gave us a model cry out to God. When you don't think God wants to hear from you, when you don't think you can get close enough to him, when you think the crowd is too big and they're making too much noise that God's not going to hear your voice, when you don't know what to do, cry out to God. So just draw right near to him. Just draw right near to him. uh, however you can The, the woman with the issue of blood if you're not familiar with that story she was bleeding for 12 years and and she just pushed her way through the crowd she wasn't supposed to be there and she got as close to God as she possibly could Jesus had a habit of getting really close to people that were in need lepers that needed to be healed they got close to Jesus and they weren't allowed to be there When I come into this church, I may not feel like I'm allowed to be near to God because I'm not clean enough in my soul, but he invites me to come close to him. And I would encourage you, draw near to God and cry out. This is prayer. Draw near to God and cry out. James, the brother of Jesus. I mean, if Jesus' own brother says this about him, check this out. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, not trying to focus on the negativity there, just the idea that, let's just be honest, come to God. If we come to God, he said he would come to us. Again, not just in passing, not just in, hey, I'm on my way to work, Lord, hey, what about this? Hey, Lord, what about this? I think God listens to prayers when we're honest with him, but there's a time when God says, sit down and let's have a talk. And that's the time when we cry out, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm facing some some surgery. I'm facing financial ruin. I'm facing a struggle. Man, one of my relationships got sideways and I don't know what to do, but God, I don't know how to handle it. I need wisdom from you, please. God says, draw near to him and and he'll do it. Ask, ask, and he'll tell you. That's what he says. And, and, And it's one of those things where it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes I've entered the wrong way, but God continues to be faithful. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you so much that Jesus touches our blind men. Touch is so important in our society. And if we haven't learned that over the last year and a half, that being in people's presence and being touched by people is so important to our soul's That Jesus doesn't just say, be healed, and then keep on walking. He stops and he turns and he goes over to them or they get to him and he reaches over and he puts his hand on him and he is more than willing to reach in and touch your life. When you feel too dirty, when you feel too unclean, when you think he doesn't know what you did last night when it was dark, God still wants to touch your life because he wants to bring healing to you. If God would just hear us and give us one touch today in this room, a hand on a shoulder, a hand on a head. If God would just put a hand on each shoulder and say, hey, I see you. I see you. If he would just come and wrap his arms all the way around us and hold us real tight and look us in the eye and say, It's gonna be okay you're gonna be alright I'm here and I want you well and I believe that's what he's here doing I believe that's what happened when the church happens when the church comes together I believe God says I'm right here with you let me do this very thing so we draw near to God just like the blind men did you want your prayer to be solid you want your prayer to be answered you want God invested in your prayer then listen to me draw near to God turn things off that's what the fasting was all about turn things off shut things down go to your little corner to your closet to your bedroom and just say God I need to talk to you but don't forget to listen and when you come to God ask don't be afraid to ask ask God tell him you need some new shoelaces he already knows that Tell him you need your marriage put back together. He already knows that. Tell him you need some money for lunch. He already knows that. Tell him anyway. God, this is what I need. When Jesus said to the blind man, what do you want? They were super specific. They didn't say, wow, that's a big ask. You know, Jesus said, what do I want? I better not limit this thing. I better go big or don't go at all. I want a big house. I want a good job. I want a lot of money. No. They looked at their lives and said, let me tell you what the need in my life is. And I believe you can ask the God, and we'll get to that, whatever you want. But here's the deal. What do you need today? Peace in your soul? What do you need today? The awareness of God inside of you touching your heart. What do you need? Because Jesus said, what do you want? And they said, we want to see. And he said, okay, done. And he touched them. I believe that God wants to touch your earnest. There's a word that we don't get used too much anymore. Ask your grandparents what it means. Your earnest prayer. Not your, ah, that'd be cool. I wish I had a Pokemon. No, (laughs) he's hearing that. But listen, what do you want? What do you want? Because, like I said, they weren't afraid to ask. The blind men were bold. They were bold. We want to see. We're tired of not being able to see. And don't ask wavering. Don't ask like, well, oh, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Ask and thank him for it before he you know, finishes taking the steps over there. Look what Hebrews 4 says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might find, um, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And, and in the King James, I like it because that's why way I, I memorized it. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Come boldly. Don't come and like, hey, maybe if you could, you know, and listen, I'm going to share this with you, and I know I've done it before, but it's like, you know, some of you, you're like, like, hey, pastor, uh, I really hate to bother you. Bother me! It's why I moved to Kentucky. (laughs) You know, it's okay. If it's 11 o'clock, it's okay to say I hate to bother you. But bother me anyway. I would rather be bothered. Because we're family, we have the, I mean, do you call your brother or sister and say, hey, listen, I hate to bug you tonight. And I call them up and say, listen, what are you doing? And then they say, it's 1130. Uh, I was sound asleep. What are you bothering me for? It's like, oh, my bad. But I don't apologize. I just say my bad. And then I tell him what he needs to do. You know, you have the right to come boldly to the throne of grace. You have the right to come in. You know, that come boldly thing is one of those things where back in the days of Jesus with the kings that were in the land back then, you didn't get to come into the throne room. No! If you came into the throne room unannounced or uninvited, you got killed. And that's why the scripture tells us to come boldly to the throne. Because he's trying to get across to us that we have the right because we're children of the Most High God, to walk right in while everybody else is going, ah, it's you skipping to the front of the line. It's a fast pass at, King, at Walt Disney. That's what it is. I, that's a revelation, write that down. It's a fast pass to be in the presence of God. I'm skipping all these people that want prayer because I've already surrendered my life to Jesus. I'm a child of the King. I have a card in my pocket. I'm just gonna say it anyway. I have a card in my pocket. It says, when I go to Texas Roadhouse, I show them this card and I go to the front of the line. It's the most amazing card I have ever owned in my life. I use it so much that when I walk in the door, I go, hey. (laughs) And they're like, gotcha. (laughs) You go to the front of the line. People have said to me, uh, hey, there's like a 45 minute wait. And I say, hey, thanks so much, man. And I walk in, and it's like, and they're like, "Okay, come to the front of the line." I mean, wouldn't you like that in your life? You go to Texas Roadhouse, and everybody's there. Plus, it's move-in week at EKU, and you, it's like we're not going to get in there for two two hours, baby. And you walk past those people, and, and you're just going, <laughs> "No, really, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a cocky thing, you know. It's like, thank you, Lord." for the blessing. And, and and it's just like that's what this scripture says to you and I. We can come boldly before the throne, not being ashamed, not thinking we don't earn it, not thinking we don't deserve it because you don't. It's all what Jesus did for you that gave you this right. We can ask of God. The blind men were super specific. And I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, give good gifts to those who ask him? What do you consider a good gift? You ever had a good gift? You ever got a good gift? You ever had a birthday party and came home and said, I got a good gift this time. You know what happens on December 27th, 26th? People start asking, what'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got I got a good gift. I got a good gift. I didn't get just socks and underwear in my stocking this year, man. I didn't get just oranges and apples. Come on, I got a good gift. Our Father in heaven wants to give good gifts to us. Now listen, I'm not saying it's all about us. I'm not saying it's all health, wealth, and prosperity. Joe Wood is a deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me believer. But I'm telling you right now, he's still my father in heaven. In the midst of it all, I can still ask. And he says to come boldly before the throne and ask. And so I am going to ask. Every once in a while, my wife will say, what are you praying for? What did I just hear you say? And I'm like, well, this is what I'm praying for. Really? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, you're so bold. You just ask. You just think you have the right to ask God for a guitar, or you've got the right to ask God for, and and, and it's like, yeah, and he has the right to say no, and I'm good with that. But I'd rather ask and be told no than not ask at all. And that's what praying's about. We come to God because we have the right, and it's okay for us to ask. The blind men were honest, and there was no doubt in their minds that they were blind. Do you know Do you know what your need is today? It's not a secret, but as you sit in this room and you think, I need God to connect with me today, what's your real need? What's your real need? Peel it back like an onion. What's your real need? What is it you need from God? Man, I need a new pair of them really super sweet sneakers. No, 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 that's not the need. The need is shoes on your feet. Peel it back shoes on your feet really keep peeling it back oh they need to be the sweet ones because i'd like to be accepted by the crowd i want to belong see keep peeling it back what is it that you're really longing for god to do in your life do you know what your need is because here's the deal jesus healed those blind men and guess what now (laughs) they have to get jobs you ever think about that no we just read our bible yeah, I know. I used to do that too. Just read through it. Stop and think it through. We want to see. Okay, you can see. Hey, we can see. Yes. Hey, will you give us money? No, get a job. See how that worked? Their job was asking for money. And they're alive so they were good at it. Now they don't get free money. Now they have to go get a job. You don't always think about what the answer to that prayer will be no more handouts. That's the way it was back there. Sometimes we need to examine what's going on inside of ourselves, and that's important. Because when when we ask, Jesus says, you'll receive. We receive from God. That's the final thing that happened. We cry out, we get specific, and then we receive from God. What promise do you believe that God has given to you? That was our focus at the men's retreat a couple of weeks ago. What's the the promise that God's given you? And I've been looking at that and recapturing that because human beings are a a fickle bunch. But at the end of the day, what's the promise that God's giving to you that it's time to go back and say, I need to pray over this and pray over this and pray over this? I want to encourage you to cling to that. Jesus said we should, when we pray, we should A-S-K, ask, seek, and knock and it just happens to spell ask, okay? We should ask, and we, would, we will receive. We should seek, and we will find. We should knock, and the door will be open to us. None of those things says, you should ask, and maybe God will listen to you. You should knock, uh, excuse me, you should seek, and maybe maybe you'll catch a glimpse of him. You should knock, and ah, if he's not too busy, he might open the door. It says, If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, that all of this is more than a passing desire. It requires energy on our behalf. It's more than just a suggestion. It's a prayer. It's a life pursuit that you want to pray to God. Check this out in Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he got done, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say this. Now, I'm reading you Luke's version of um, Matthew's statement, what we know as the Lord's Prayer. So he says, Father, hallowed is your name, Holy, separated from all the names on the earth is your name. Your kingdom come. I'm praying, God, that your kingdom come to this earth, that we as human beings understand all of the things we've been wrestling with in our humanity, our our, our sexual orientation, our race understandings, our political problems, all of this, God. We're praying that your kingdom come and crash down into all my beliefs, mine, of this stuff. "'Your kingdom come. "'Give me today my daily bread and forgive my sins.'" as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said, all right, all right. So suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and he's come to see me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you that even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity. (laughs) Write that down about your prayer life. But because of your shameless audacity. I, I, I feel like that's the way I live my prayer life. Shamefully audacious. Hey, Lord, what about this? Wouldn't that be cool if you let me jump off this bridge on the other side of the world? Wouldn't that be awesome, God? The Lord says, all right, come on let's go. It's the craziest thing. Because your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And what Jesus is saying is, you should ask God and ask God and wear God out with that prayer request. Not every single little one changing from day to day, moment to moment. But there is something that you, if you want to see, if you are blind and you want to see, Jesus is telling us, you and I, that if we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be open. Now that is a promise. And I am clinging to that sucker. I'm clinging to it. I'm just going to try to align myself with God's will so that as i'm asking i'm asking appropriately to bring the kingdom of god to bear but it doesn't mean that sometimes he doesn't want you to have a gummy bear it doesn't mean that sometimes he doesn't want you to experience what you want to experience it doesn't mean it's not okay to come and say god i screwed up my whole life and i admit it will you please help me to put it back together and he will if you'll do it his way he will you know why because he loves you. Shamelessly audacious. Does that describe your prayer life? When you come to God and say, God, I'm praying for healing for me or healing for my brother or healing for my sister, and I am not going to pray. I mean, stop praying. I'm not going to quit until you do it, God, because Jesus said I should ask, I should seek, I should knock, and I am not asking for a stone. I'm asking for a blessing for somebody. I'm going to do it because that's what Jesus said to do. And if I'm going to be obedient, I love that he says some of that obedience is about me just coming to him and saying, God, I'm ignorant, I'm human, and this is what I want. Please, please, I want to see. I want a job. I want a spouse. I want my child healthy. I want them off of drugs. I want somebody to be nice to me. I want a phone call. I want a friend. Please, God, please keep praying. It's what Jesus said to do. These people are up here because we want to pray. Last week, I invited you to fast. It's very important to our spiritual development, fasting. But the goal wasn't to go without food. It was to hear from God. And I hope in the midst of that prayer, that you saw the things that God was saying to you. And so this week, I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you some homework again, but I want you to spend some time in prayer. And the homework is really this simple. I want you to write your earnest prayer request on a Post-it note. And I want you to stick it on the mirror or on the steering wheel or on your computer or on the refrigerator, wherever it might be. (laughs) And every time you see it, I want you to just stop and say, God, I'm praying for this. Take a minute or two. I'm praying for this until I see it come to pass. I'm praying for this until I see them healed. I'm praying for this until I'm gonna keep bringing it, God. I'm gonna keep doing it because your son told me to. My Lord told me to hound you, Dad, until you gave me what I want. You ever been there with your mom? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Fine, you can have it! Jesus is saying, Go to God that way. I'm not trying to be mean or nasty or or funny. I'm just saying, he said, go to our Father in heaven that way. And I'm going to take him at his word and act accordingly and leave the results in God's hands. But I'm going to act accordingly because he's called me to do it. Something is on your list. Something's on your prayer list that you would just really like to have prayed over. And these people are up here to do just exactly that. We're going to go into our closing song. I'm going to pray one more time for the people in Afghanistan. Then I'm going to get down from here and we're going to sing this song. And these people want to pray for you during that song. That's what they want to do. Whatever it is that you're going to write on that post-it note, they want to pray for you. And so I want to invite you. Let's just all bow our heads before God and pray. Father, as we come before you right now, we thank you and we praise you for what it means to have the boldness, to have the right, to to have what it takes to come before you. And we just ask and pray, God, that you would be near to us. We bless you, Father, for who you are and what you're doing. We just ask and pray, God, that you be with our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in Afghanistan, around the world. But God, we know that circumstances have changed radically and quickly in the Middle East. And we just ask and pray that you would take care of that. Be near to them, Lord. Again, I pray for revival amongst the people that don't know you or know you wrong. And I just ask and pray that you would move in their lives. And God, we release this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. All right, so as we're going into this song, um, we just want you to know this is the time to come up here and say, you know what, before I leave today, I want God to touch my life. I want what God has for me.